Welcome to the Story Weaver podcast. I'm your host, Bron Rauk Mitchell. Come sit with me under the story tree as I weave a tale or two for you. Greetings and salutations. Thank you for joining me once more under the story tree. Please make yourself at home as I share with you a handful of poems from poets around the globe, past and present. I believe my love affair with poetry began with simple nursery rhymes and grew from there. I have been writing poetry for as long as I can remember. I have here a copy of a poem that I wrote for an English class in high school. It is my oldest surviving poem, and while still fairly naive and simple, I think it's a good piece to launch today's poetry reading with. Summer Snoozing In the stifling heat of the afternoon, I saw a kitten peacefully resting against his mother. He was soaking up the sun's beating rays. An eyelid flickered open, lazily, uncertain. A whisker twitched gently, while a gentle breeze stirred a fallen leaf. His eyes opened wide to stare at me, sleepily. Then, quite peacefully, he yawned and stretched his paws in the air only to lay down again to sun himself lazily against his mother. Growing up, a few of my favourite poets included Enid Blyton, who was a big literary influence on me in general, Seamus Heaney, John Keats, Shakespeare, Sappho, Christina Rossetti, Lawson, to name just a few Like Anne Shirley, I remember giving dramatic poetry performances in primary school for the parents and kids. Nineteen years ago, one of my first websites was for my poetry. I released it under the name of Opal Fire. My words were well received, and even then people were telling me how those words had helped them. I started work on a poetry book, Reflections, eager to reach more people with my words and I had one poem published in an international anthology called Time After Time in September of 2000. That piece, Mourn Me Not, I shall share with you now. Mourn Me Not Shed no tears when I am gone. My body is just a home. My spirit will be released and leave me free to roam. Where I'll go, I do not know, but to your side I'll return. Mourn me not, for life is short, but a love like ours endures forever. Well, sadly, that love did not endure forever. Um, But the words did. And some of my earlier pieces I was ashamed of over time. I felt they were cringeworthy. But now I see them as just a stepping stone to the writing I am doing now. Over time, life became an obstacle course and I actually stopped sharing my poetry with others. I pulled my sight and 
I entered a really big writer's block, so the words weren't always flowing. In 2012, I actually took part in my first poetry reading uh, with a writer's group that I'd actually got involved with. But unfortunately, uh, that turned me off poetry reading because the other writers gave feedback on me rather than my actual words. And they'd given feedback to all the other writers on their words. So it turned me off poetry readings. Over the years, I pulled out my old poetry and I jotted down ideas for new stuff because I was still determined that eventually I would release reflections. Then back in late 2016, 2017, I had a complete breakdown and it left me broken, shattered, basically a shadow of my former self. Every day was really a struggle to keep going and so I took it by second by second on most of those days. And every morning it was a new battle to make it through the next 24 hours. I almost destroyed all of my writing, over 30 years worth. Because by that stage I believed that I was a hack and I'd be doing the world a favour by destroying everything that hadn't been published yet. But something deep down inside me made me put that writing aside and let it sit. And then a day or so later, in the early days of 217, the words came... Where I'd only been able to scribble down parts of poems here and there for years, I was now writing like a person possessed. And I was. I was possessed by my own personal demons. I was in intense physical and mental pain, and so I did as advised in the past by my good friend and my mentor, Paul Bedford. I dug deep into that pain and I wrote it out. So instead of bleeding onto the paper, I poured out my soul. I completed poems and I shared them online. I stopped caring what others thought of my words and I wrote just for me, for my sanity, for my salvation. But I shared in the hopes that my words would resonate with at least one other person. And the response has been encouraging. I've had people tell me that I have said what they felt but couldn't express. I have been my most prolific ever as a writer and not only with my poetry. On the poetry front, I've completed almost 200 poems well, actually now I believe it's over 220 poems and I have about another four or 500 in the draft folders. I'm still working on the book, Reflections. In fact, I have six volumes planned now. It'll still take some time until I can get them to publishing stage. So I launched a poetry zine and I thought I'd start with um, poetry readings. I mucked around with a couple of test videos, which sucked, really, but um, it was all steps towards the podcast. So on that note, maybe it's time to read a little bit more of my poetry. The Noble Scavenger. He fancied himself a saviour, a knight on a mighty steed, rescuing poor damsels in distress. But the truth was not that noble. The truth was cold. The truth was ugly. He was a scavenger, a vulture, Picking over the bones of the damsels destroyed by others, he swooped in, the man of the hour, building them up just to tear them down further, finishing the job that his predecessors had started. And when he had picked their bones clean, when he had satiated his hunger, he moved on to the next damsel, and left not a morsel behind, not for anyone else, not for themselves. The Invitation I have no one to blame. 
I lowered my defences. I handed you the keys. I invited you in. I offered myself up. Completely. I invited you to destroy me. And you did. Completely. I have no one to blame. But myself. Love them more. Every joke told at her expense. Every poisonous barb flung at her. Every act of cold indifference shown to her killed something off inside her. Piece by piece. Yet she still loved those that would harm her, even as she sought to protect her heart. She couldn't seal it off to them, which they took as an invitation to cut her deeper next time. She didn't know how to love them less. So she tried to love them more. Her curse. That she still remembered, long after the events had passed and the people involved had moved on, was her curse and a blessing. Butterfly kisses. Butterfly kisses caress soft cheeks, heated lips brushed gently over closed eyelids. Promises whispered on sweet, warm breath into her eager, waiting mouth. An eternity passing between heartbeats, her lips parted in agonised anticipation. Contented sighs swallowed within that deliciously searing kiss. Whispered pleas drowned by passionate moans, her silent wish granted once more. Tell you. I didn't get the chance to say a proper goodbye to you, so I whispered it on the wind and asked her to tell you. I didn't get the chance to tell you that I'll always love you, so I wrote it in the sand and asked the ocean to tell you. I won't get the chance to tell you that I miss you, so I howled it to the moon and she promised me that she would tell you. Albatross. Her past is an albatross around her neck. What was once a blessing is now a harbinger of ill fortune, a dead weight dragging her down into the bowels of hell itself. And to wrap it up, I would like to share one of the poems that resonated with me when I was in high school, and we were studying John Keats. I was rather a melancholy child at times, and later found out that I had depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. But this poem particularly resonated with me. And so I'd like to wind up by reading this poem. And don't forget, Fridays are when I talk about the craft of writing. Thank you for listening. Ode on Melancholy by John Keats No, no, go not to Leith, neither twist wolf's bane, tight-rooted for its poisonous wine, nor suffer thy pale forehead to be kissed by nightshade, ruby grape of prosper pine. Make not your rosary of yew berries, nor let the beetle 
nor the death moth, be your mournful psyche, nor the downy owl, a partner in your sorrow's mysteries. For shade to shade will come too drowsily, and drown the wakeful anguish of the soul. But when the melancholy fit shall fall, sudden from heaven like a weeping cloud, that fosters the droop-headed flowers all, and hides the green hill in an April shroud, then glut thy sorrow on a morning rose, or on the rainbow of the salt sand wave, or on the wealth of globed peonies, or if thy mistress some rich anger shows, imprison her soft hand and let her rave, and feed deep, deep upon her peerless eyes. She dwells with beauty, beauty that must die, and joy, whose hand it is ever at his lips bidding adieu, an aching pleasure nigh, turning to poison while the bee-mouth sips. Aye, in the very temple of delight, veiled melancholy has her sovereign shrine, Though seen of none save him whose strenuous tongue Can burst joy's grape against his palate fine, His soul shall taste the sadness of her might And be among her cloudy trophies hung. The Story Weaver podcast intro Was created by Paul using licensed music from Stock 20. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email to thestoryweaverpodcast at gmail.com.